Hello and welcome to Sounds Like a Plan, a podcast all about how the music world is taking action in the climate crisis. Hi, I'm Greg Cochran, a podcaster and journalist, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Faye Milton, a musician with the band Savages and co-founder of Music Declares Emergency. On this episode of Sounds Like a Plan, we are talking local grassroots action with musician Cam B.U., not just a brilliant new rapper and lyricist, but also a keen conservationist. He's here with us to talk about how volunteering in his neighbourhood green spaces has brought the community together and how that's helped give him a sense of direction in the climate emergency. There's even some chat about growing your own tomatoes. Yep, that's right. Come from the music and leave with some home gardening advice. But before we go, we'll also leave you with some of our recommendations. So let's get into the podcast. We've given the title Grassroots to this episode, Faye, because since the podcast started, we've spent loads of time trying to get our heads around the big ideas, the massive all-encompassing issue that is the climate crisis and the sheer scale of it can kind of end up giving you a bit of a headache, can't it? Just if you try Mm. and compute it all at once. Um, We've also talked a lot about the music industry, obviously a massive area within that, what everybody's doing um, around that subject. But this time, I think it's important to spend a little bit of time talking about climate action on an individual level. Um, And it's something that our guest this week talks about. We'll get into that in a little bit. But First off, I'm interested to hear from you, your kind of thoughts on this subject. Just um, there's a sort of popular view in the climate community that taking actions on a personal level, sort of, you know, making sure your recycling is done, switching the lights off when you walk out of the room or eating less meat in your diet or something like that. It's all kind of too small to make a difference when you hold it up against the enormous shifts that we need to see from um, governments and big businesses to slow warming and protect the planet. But do you still think there's value in, 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 in those kind of small grassroots kind of personal level actions? And if you do, what kind of things do you find value in? Yeah, definitely. I, well, I think it's one of those sort of pendulums that swings around. In one sense, I mean, for a few years, it was all about, you know, plastic bottles and recycling and what you can do to your personal um, carbon footprint and, and all of that personal responsibility. And then I think what people realized is that you can change your light bulbs all you want you put you know solar panels on the roof of your house but nothing's going to change unless there's sort of this fundamental um change of attitude at at government level um and Mm. corporations etc so then the pendulum swings right over to the opposite end where it's like okay let's change the system and that's quite a maybe a bit more of a complicated more complicated thing to communicate to people so you know you're Mm. asking for system change what's that mean define system define what do you want the governments to do what do you you know it's it's all just gets a bit um maybe it's less clear and it can be a bit confusing for people on an individual level you think well shall i still be recycling maybe my recycling Mm. is just being sent off somewhere to a you know a a poor country to have some child pick over it and all this kind of Mm. this huge confusion Mm. ensues but it's also super important to actually demand change at governmental level. It's, you know, it's hugely important and it's the most important thing. It has to start there. Mm. But yeah, I, I feel like we're due another swing back of the pendulum into what are we <laughs> going to do ourselves as well? Because if you are taking action in your own life, then you feel empowered to then ask governments to take action. You know, you can't, mm. um, everyone hates feeling like a hypocrite. And mm-hmm. so 
you know if we're if we're not doing things in our own lives then it doesn't make you feel inclined to look at the big picture because you have this sort mm. of guilt and shame and these little little seeds of doubt in your mind of oh I shouldn't be talking about this and it's actually if you if you do start to do those things then it you know you think well I'm doing what I'm I can do then you can start looking at the big picture again so then the pendulum can swing right on back. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think you've hit the nail on the head there because it's almost like your your actions day to day sort of can help feed the other thing, if that makes sense. The it, it, it helps that bigger picture stuff because if you're you're sort of living it and you feel like you're being purposeful with your you know, your your day to day stuff, the almost mm. the kind of menial things, then yeah, it kind of like it, it helps um yeah, foster your interest in the sort of and, and your and your pursuit of the bigger picture stuff as well so they kind of speak to each other in in a way don't they yeah definitely and it's that sort of on mass if everyone's doing the small things and that's a huge change as well you know if everyone's talking about the interview we, we've done with with can be you it's you know if everyone was doing taking the action that he's taking then the world would be looking like a very different place so yeah i mean it's it's both things it's all things it's, it's things in between as well but it, you know you've, you've got to focus on one thing at a time when you first started reading up on on this subject like getting into climate action we talked about it on episode one of the podcast of, of how you started out sort of educating yourself and learning more and more and felt compelled to do things what kind of actions did you immediately feel like you wanted to take you know day to day in your life that you that you, that you felt were meaningful well it's interesting because I think I mean to to solve this huge sort of global problem it, it does take everybody it will take everybody mm. and it'll take everyone's different approaches and that means it will take you know the really sort of radical grassroots and it will also take the capitalists trying to make money off changing to green energy and it will also take you know what everyone wants to do I mean I, I'm the kind of person who reads one book about climate change and goes right I'm going to change the world and like let's go to the top level but that's like where I can find my input into the into the thing but maybe I'm a bit rubbish at the smaller level things as well I mean it's I think whatever your personality type is or what whatever suits you is going to be where your place lies in making a change and you know that can look that has to look different for everyone because there's so many different things to do if everyone was trying to do the same thing it would you know wouldn't be useful yeah absolutely cool um well before we get into hearing from our guest this time on the podcast um a quick mention of how you can get in touch as we always love to hear from you if you do have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about on the podcast um i don't know maybe you listen to a past episode and you wanted to know more about something that we were talking about or maybe there's an area that you think we should cover on sounds like a plan do get in touch and do let us know we are on instagram sounds like a plan podcast um, you'll find us there and also you can email us we are sounds like a plan podcast at gmail.com um shall we get into hearing from this week's guest Faye? yes let's i think we should i i mean okay. but i'm gonna preface this i love this interview i found it was so inspiring so i hope all the listeners do as well brilliant yeah so um, we're going to hear from the musician cam bu when i'm not making this podcast i spend a bunch of time working on loud and quiet which is an independent magazine and website writing about new music mostly um and that's how i came across cam originally he's a 
24-year-old rapper based in southwest London, one of the most exciting MCs in the country at the moment, for, for my money. Um, we'll post some of the links to his recent tracks. Um, there's one called Are You On? and one called Black on Black in the show notes if you do want to go and check out his music. Um, but alongside his blossoming career in music, Cam has a huge interest in conservation and community. And a little while ago, Faye and I had the privilege of recording this very thoughtful chat with him about volunteering in green spaces and how that feeds into his art and his broader sense of purpose. So here we go. This is Cam Bu on Sounds Like a Plan. Cam Bu, welcome to Sounds Like a Plan. Um, you might be a new name to some of our listeners, so I wondered if you didn't mind by just starting by just telling us a little bit about yourself. So you're background um how long you've been making music and things like that sure man uh well i mean i've been making music since i was like 14 from southwest london basically i've just been inspired by by growing up in a, in a jamaican household you know like growing up in a jamaican household there's a lot of music playing constantly all the time and my dad actually played percussion in a um in a sort of reggae band when I was younger, so he would take me to his shows and my uncles, they'd have like djembe drums. So it's always been a big part of my life. So I think just as time went on, I just, as I learned about different artists, like gorillas and rappers and Eminem and so many different, I was always, I was never not allowed to, to pick up a CD and HMV or a cassette tape in Woolworths. And I was never not said no, I was never said no to. So I had loads of music from a young age. And I think just all of that just kind of boiled into me. Like, I want to be able to do this. Like, it used to fascinate me. So just as time went on, I would go to the youth club and um, just put in my little two pence or whatever. And I ended up doing a talent show then. That was like the first time I ever performed in front of people. And I've just kept it going since then, really. And it just seems to be working out. So I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're you're sort of still at the sort of start of your your like music journey, kind of still releasing like early tracks and like mixtapes and things like that. So, this podcast is about music and culture and how that merges and the intersection with people's interests in climate action or the environment or conservationism and things like that. So, I just wondered if you'd tell us a little bit about how, um, yeah, your your interest in that area and how you've like come to be interested in um, conservationism is a big deal for you, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I think, like, with, with my name and my, my artistry and, like, emerging, you know, there's a lot of pressure on a new artist or people to want to have general population perceive them a type of way. So for me, the name BU just stemmed from me wanting to become myself and making sure I was comfortable in my own skin and making sure my music is about what I stand for. And that just helped me create beautiful music because... It's, I'm being honest when, I, when I'm in the booth, you know. These are experiences that I've been through and things that I believe in. So the music is a stage for me to get that across. And I'm interested in conservation. So then I started volunteering and it's like, even in my songs, you'll hear things like that. Uh, and you'll hear references to nature and longevity and all of those types of things. Because for a long time, I've always wondered what my purpose here on earth was. And I used to think that I was missing loads of things like money, or clothes or whatever and then I had all those things and I still didn't feel like I was doing enough but the minute I started volunteering it kind of all changed for me and then when I learned about various different types of sustainable agriculture it just clicked and I was growing up vegetarian as well actually I was vegetarian for a long time so health is important to me 
and all of this is just merged into one now and it's just become my missions and I'm just happy doing it. I think it's been the happiest I've been in my life once I've kind of figured out what I wanted to do and how I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Excuse the pun, but like where was the seed of like your interest in conservationism? Like you mentioned it there, like it kind of came into your life. Like where, where, where and how? Was it, was it around you? Was it family? What was it? It was, well, it's weird because it's like, yeah, I was always surrounded by it growing up, but I didn't really pay attention to it. Like my mum had an allotment and stuff like that. She was, um, then, yeah, no, it was like, the, I think the moment was when I was at Uni in Brighton, going to Uni in Brighton. And I came across this guy's YouTube channel and he was all about growing microgreens and he went to visit some aquaponics firm. Um, sort of sites around the world and in Hawaii and I saw what he was doing I was like wow this is like really this is really like innovative and I, I want to be a part of that and it kind of just clicked I was like this is what I want to do like this is the future it is our future at the end of the day so we should we need to be moving forward with it otherwise we're just going to get a lot uh, left left behind <laughs> by mother nature absolutely I, I really um, sort of feel what you're saying about it making you really happy because for me getting involved in climate action and and actually just sort of taking action and taking taking matters into my own hands in a way it's it just took away that feeling of powerlessness and that like eco anxiety that constant feeling of like oh shit like everything's going wrong and it doesn't mean that that's changed that's still that's still there but it's feeling like you can take action you can do stuff actually takes a lot of the anxiety away from it definitely definitely and i think it's like you know humans humans are like sheep we are like sheep we're mm. different in our own beautiful ways but once people kind of understand wait this is what we should be doing everyone's like oh yeah this is what we should be doing so it's, it's like you said it's always there and it's a bit of a shame that people aren't catching on as fast enough and then we are only small people. It's like I'm having these conversations constantly when I'm at my conservation thing with the people who come along. And it, the fact of the matter is we need a government intervention. Mm. We need to be like, well, not we don't need to be exactly like France, but for example, they, in their supermarkets, they don't want to do plastic bags anymore. They aren't doing any food waste. Why are we still doing these things? I just, these are the questions that get me fired up. So it's, it's like, if I do my little part, at least I can inspire someone to, you know, you know, who might be in another position. And as long as we spread the word, that's, you know, we'll get to the tipping point, hopefully. Absolutely. And we're all, we're all looking to our, especially since sort of COVID's come around, we're all looking to see what other people are doing. It's like, oh, are these people staying in? Oh, are these people are breaking the rules. I'll break the rules. These people are sticking to the rules. I'll stick to the rules. And it's, that's just how we operate as humans and i think it that goes for climate action and sustainability as well if, if no one else is using a plastic bag you don't want to be the last one left so <laughs> using exactly it, exactly yeah. exactly uh, can i ask a bit about like um growing up in south london um what was like your discovery of like your your love of conservationism was it a largely kind of urban area where you were was there a lot of green space did you find when like you were growing up you just instinctively enjoyed going out into green space and how that made you feel and things like that well i think like my parents both being jamaican or of jamaican descent um my dad was always in jamaica growing up like he would go out there for months on end so i think he has a big thing for like greenery so when we were kids like we lived in brixton at first of all which there, there, there's brockwell park but it doesn't have as many, but he would always take us all around London to explore every little green place there was. So I've, I was always used to traveling and going to different green areas and just having picnics. And I've got so many pictures from baby photos where we would just be at different parks. So when we moved further down to Southwest and we got closer to like Richmond Park and things, 
that's that just became our go-to place and um even just that it's such a wonderful place and you don't you don't even see it because nature is never really there when you go like in terms of animals and little insects but it's all working together when we're at home and the, the weather is like going it's storming it's windy life is happening you know the seeds are being spread flowers are blooming and you and you just get to go there in the seasons there's a place in there called isabella plantation which is just beautiful um there's some caretakers who look after it there's beautiful bushes like unreal flowers in there and it you get to go there in the spring so you should definitely check it out but i don't know what it is i think it just feels right to me i can't explain it it just feels right that's what i want to be doing and it makes sense and that's what i want to chase i don't think i could be upset with myself when i come to my my older age and be like what did you spend your life chasing and to know that i've actually improved the quality of life for other species and other human beings because with the conservation thing we have people who come there who are neurodiverse and they don't also they don't always get a time to to get outside and socialize with other people you know so it's like all of those things they just help make you feel better as a human you know and it makes them feel better it's just great they also the company i do it for tcv they do this one called dementia adventure and they take elderly people out into nature who have dementia and most of the time when they're on the walks most of those elder people don't exhibit any signs of dementia when they're out there so it's just you know nature is healing so if we look after it we'll look after us always and that's just how i feel about it mm. definitely can you tell me a little bit more about how you first got involved with the the volunteering and also just explain a little bit about what that looks like what do you typically do like how often do you go out and what type of people do you meet with the volunteering it's when i just got back from uni i was like okay i've got to get the ball rolling with this i'm back at home and then i went on environmentaljobs.uk and because I didn't have any qualifications and sustainability, I was like, I'm going to have to volunteer. And that was the one that I saw and it came up. So how it works is TCV have this thing called Green Gym, where they give us tools and whatever equipment we need. We'll find a local park once we get um, permission from the local council. And then we'll kind of get it going. We'll try and get people from the community involved when we're in the park, tell them to come along, help us plant trees, clear walkways, whatever it needs to be doing, prune trees, plant meadows, just get the green place looking the best it can be, beat all loggeries, just making sure it's, it's just a really nice place to be. And then once we get to a place where locals are coming more often than not, we, we give them all the tools and we say, right, you guys can do this and name it whatever you want to, and you guys can look after it. And they do that all across London. They have about 167 across London right now, so it's really cool. So a typical day there would be turning up, it's, it's normally it's once a week, but in Richmond, I think there's about three of them. So if you want to go to all three in a week, you can. But yeah, typical day, turn up, do some warm-ups and stretches, do a little bit of chitter-chatter, just make sure everyone's all right, you know, how they're dealing with lockdown or whatever they're going through. And then we'll just decide what we're going to do for the day. And even if someone doesn't want to do something, we're never like pushing them to, to do anything they don't want to do. Everyone's free to do what they do. It's just a nice day out in the park, really. You know, sometimes we have to little pick and we, we find some stuff that's not that pleasant, but yeah. It's better, it's better I found it than a little toddler, you know, so mm. it's one of those ones. That sounds so nice. There's something so simple about it. Everyone's sort of stuck in their houses and getting angsty and wanting to help the world but not doing it. And, uh, and it's like you can just do that. You can just get out, meet people, talk to people, work with people's well-being and nature. Yeah, I think it is like you said, though. It's like, you know, you feel that pressure of, oh, my gosh, how can I even do any little bit? And it kind of stifles yeah. you from from even looking out on what you can do. But it's out there. You just have to use Google. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
have there been any um projects that you've worked on or any areas that you've you've been to that you've been like particularly proud of like you go back and visit now and just you're like wow this doesn't look like anything when we first arrived yeah so the park that we did at i was going consistently um to because i became a volunteer officer so then i had a bit of a title i was running an instagram page for them i was there for about a year and you know, over the past of the year and looking back on it, there's so many things that we've done and I get to look back and think, wow, that's nice. And it's still nice to think I planted a fruit tree here and maybe like 20 years or 30 years from now, there'll be a kid like running around this tree or something or climbing it or even better, you know, but those, those little things definitely, you know, I can take that as a medal or a trophy, even though it's non-existent. There's no real tangible thing apart from the thing itself, the tree or whatnot, but yeah, it's hard to explain that, honestly. No, 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 you've explained it perfectly. I think like, yeah it's it's about purpose isn't it and like purpose is um is good for all of us because it just it gets you out of bed it makes you hopeful for tomorrow and and therefore yeah having a project like that that allows you to see into the future and feel hopeful especially at a time when there's not been an awful lot of that around it's really key to your own well-being as well isn't it yeah for sure for sure i mean because even they have stopped it now and they've stopped it for a while so i haven't gone in months when we did go back we only went back for two weeks and then it was back to lockdown so I can only imagine um, how some of those people that normally come along are feeling. But luckily, my manager, he has their emails and stuff, so he was reaching out to them, sending them things that they can do at home whilst they're occupied. So it's really nice to see. And it's nice to be a part of that little community. I think even more on a whole, once you start believing in, in love and community is one, and it's all sort of rolls into one big ball and it's one big circle, you realize the revolution will never be televised. But when you're involved in your community, you're speaking to these people, word of mouth and the spread of information, that will spread like a wildfire, way better than anyone sharing a post on Instagram. Something that you can close in two seconds or even skip it if you want. You know, you can't skip a conversation unless you're really, you have bad manners, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sometimes I but, wish yeah. I could, but. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, so, yeah, yeah, it's important. All of those little things help people understand people's situations and then you take it away from that and you go home and you do what you will and tell your mm. loved ones how that affected you and what you think you could do about it it's just that constant learning that we should never stop doing as human beings that's why we're here is to learn you know and pass mm. on knowledge can i ask a bit about the types of people that you meet and the the different generations for example do you find yeah what what type of people do you come across and has it been interesting to see connections grow between people of different generations and see what types of conversation they have coming out of these type of these type of schemes yeah i mean there's there's no one in particular conversation that i can remember um or anything like that but it is the same thing of different generations they came from a different time they might not even expect to see someone who looks like me on a conservation thing you know like just breaking those simple barriers like that and they can think wow you know like Here's this guy. This is what he does. You'll just break, you can be breaking down prejudices and even your own prejudices. Because I'm gonna come across someone who I may not know how to conversate with. Like I'm an easy person to talk to, but doesn't mean you can talk to everyone. So it's like learning all of that. It's just again, I keep going back to it, it's learning. It's a constant learning sort of thing, and it's interesting to see. And 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 that's why I believe in it as well so much. Because if it affects me this way, then surely it must be affecting them. I'd like to think anyway. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's really useful to do that as well. I think in life we tend to gather around us people who reflect ourselves. You know, they're similar to us in various ways and you can learn from those people, but you learn things you would never get to learn otherwise when you actually break free from that, from your own social group and 
mixed with other people and you find more more commonalities and you, you might find some things that you're completely opposite on but it's still there's so much more to be learned in that space yeah definitely and that's not always an easy thing it kind of goes back to the the bu message but there was a book out that i read and it was about psychology and it talked about that how humans mm. do we do find our groups and we get comfortable there Mm. and we just stay there because it's comfortable so then it's like challenging yourself that's another step of growth you know and mm. that's something that people have to do on an individual level and that's why i think these sort of battles between how we feel about the environment and sustainability is also such a hard thing to get other people on board with but it doesn't matter the fight continues you know we we, we move <laughs> that's just how it has to be it's just how it has to be yeah. What about some of those practical skills that you've learned along the way? Are, are you the type of person that if you know you've got to do a job, say one of the activities that you, you're aiming to do that day, but you've never done it before, are you straight on YouTube, like find out how to do it, teach myself kind of guy? Yeah. I mean, yeah, when I've been set a task, luckily my my, um, my manager or teacher, Pablo, he, he would always bring a sheet of information and always send out information packs. So I always had loads of stuff. And when I'd go to the office and fill out sort of the task activities that we do, because that's what my job was to go back to the office, fill out what we did, who turned up, how safe was it, what was the weather like, and do just some data storing. Uh, he would be like, oh, are you interested in this? Do this. And even when you're on TCV, they sign you up. There's so many courses that you can do and learn about different things. So there's so much information on the intranet that they have. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't too many challenges. I had a good people around me, good teams, and it was just like getting stuck in. There's things that I've learned there, like for example, pruning trees, what to look for. There was a guy who had a grapevine actually. So I learned some stuff about grapevines, which was nice. And these are all things I can take home and apply to myself, you know, and things to look out for in the mud. Okay, is that mud healthy? How many worms are in there? Okay, what kind of sediments in there? Things to look for inside the, the soil. Um, so there's plenty of stuff, man. Amazing. I'm, I'm just going to use this moment to ask a, a question that maybe a lot of listeners are thinking of, because this sounds really, I want to get involved. And if, if people listening want to get involved with TCV, how would they, because obviously uh, three letters is, is quite hard to Google. What else would they put into the search engine of their choice to, to find it? Yeah, you could, you could put the conservation volunteers, and I'm sure that will pop up for you there. And then it can say find your local park there's a bunch of information on there and then it could be like find your local green gym or local conservation volunteers and then you just put your postcode in and then it'll send you a bunch of ones which are in, in the closest radius to you so it's really easy and simple to get involved brilliant have you had much luck growing your own food cam Mm, well, me and, my, me and my dad in this flat, we don't have a garden. So we have a little balcony area. So we managed to do some tomatoes mm-hmm. over the summer, which were really tasty, actually. They were, they were called Black Russians, but they weren't that black. They, they're sort of red <laughs> with green. <laughs> I don't know who named them, but yeah, no, they, they were tasty. They were really good. But we, we sold them kind of late, to be honest. So it was a bit of a learning experience. But this, this, this spring, I'm not going to get caught out. What about you? We tried to do some stuff on our balcony as well, but... I think um, we realised that sort of unknowingly we we live we're on like the third floor um, in a flat in um, northeast London and we're next to a really busy road and um, we've not been here that long and we realised that the amount of um, pollution that's coming off the road is potentially pretty harmful to anything that we're trying to grow on the balcony not just stuff that's like consumable but other things as well and we kept wondering like we're following all the guidance on had to keep our boxes and stuff like healthy and everything just keeps dying until we realize that 
we would clean down like surfaces outside with our finger like two days afterwards and it would just be like thick with soot so it was all coming off mm. the road um, yeah and so no wonder it's really difficult to keep anything alive basically because yeah. it's just getting covered in a blanket of pollution um uh, you know yeah i guess it, a bit of a wake-up call noticed it a lot during lockdown because we were at home a lot more and just like the pace of things slowed down and suddenly that was a bit of a wake up moment as everybody keeps saying just to realize that hang on a second is this what we're breathing in sort of uh, 20 24 yeah. 7 yeah and um yeah. if we can't if we can't grow some tomatoes outside or some you know basic sort of herbs and stuff then it can't be necessarily good for us you know with our windows open um mm. not easy though is it you do have to teach yourself a lot yeah you do it's, it's a trial and error thing for sure but it's also beautiful when you do get a fruit. But that's unfortunate about the uh, pollution, man. Yeah, definitely. Although not uncommon for anybody who lives in like a city, I guess. We're all realising. Yeah, congested, yeah. One thing I was going to ask about the, um, the the sort of types of people that you've met, again, like through doing your volunteering. Do you feel like there's a growing like momentum behind the stuff that we've just been talking about? Like, do you, do, do you have like... Do you, have, do you have many young people turn out to volunteer and do you feel like they're quite fired up as well about climate action in general? Yeah, I think there are and they are. I think as time goes on, I didn't see it so much at the one that I was starting because as we were starting, lockdown happened. So we didn't get the chance to grow as big as some of the other ones. But I know at the, um, the other places where we have them in the parks near here, there are other kids turning up and there were plenty of kids coming along. And even when I worked at an, another place, I worked at a mini golf place and uh, kids would come in and I would give them plastic cups and they would say to me, no, I don't want plastic cups. And they're like five, six year olds. And I'm like, okay, that is great. You know, it's positive <laughs> to see. So That's brilliant. Every generation that comes through gets better and better. Yeah. Climate action yeah, has made its really way to mini to golf. I love it. <laughs> yeah, literally, I know, I was like, okay. Nice cardboard. I'm watching them struggle with the glass, but I'm like, I respect it. I get it. I get it. You don't want to use plastic. It's like the glasses are too heavy with the big tumblers, but no, honestly. No, it's so good to see. It's so good to see, I think. And when the kids were striking from school, so it's very much there. I'm doing my bit, but like these kids are doing so much more. I mean, if, I, if someone would have said to me, yeah, if someone would have said to me when I was in school, oh, we're going on a strike tomorrow for the climate, I'd have been like, you sure? Like, I don't think many people have gone, would have gone. And these kids just said enough is enough. And I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's it's really inspiring. I remember being at school and sort of learning about um, climate change, but this like global warming, I guess, I guess it would have been called. And it's this really kind of, no one would have expected us as children to be doing anything about it at all. And now children are hearing about it and they're like, right, I'm going to fix this. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. fix it now. It's yeah. really, yeah, it's really incredible to, That's to good. witness. It's weird because it shouldn't have to be them. It's almost sad, but it's, it's great to see, but it shouldn't be them. It should be us. You know? mm. It's really punk. It's really like punk, ch child punks just running <laughs> through the city. I don't know if you've actually witnessed the, the, the marches going through the city, but when adults no, go on a protest, we walk, we, you know, we trudge along, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the kids, they run. They just run the whole route. I know, just, like, I know. Literally, they love it. It's like a day out for them. They love it. Yeah. yeah. It's like the energy behind it. It's incredible. It's great. It's like on adult protests, it's like they try and get people to do the, the chants and it's like, yeah, some people would do it and then it kind of fades away. <laughs> but the kids are literally at the bellowing at the top of their voices. It's sick. It's great. Yeah. We're all jaded. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Faye, I'm sure you were you were you were there for some of the marches there, like um, in 
summer 2019 the energy was incredible mm. and like like you said mm. some of the events that you came across were really energizing because i remember being outside houses of parliament and like group of i mean definitely teenagers young teenagers were there they'd like set up a generator like a bike powered generator and they were all passing the mic to each individually do, like say something or um mm. or deliver some poetry or to, to rap something or, or anything that they just wanted to express and there was like this mutual respect for anybody that got on the mic and wanted to express something about why they were there that day and to be honest it's one of the moments that in the past few years just it was like my sort of conversion moment i was like how can yeah. i not want to find out <laughs> yeah. more about what's going on here why can't i have to be part of this like the the energy just felt so um well yeah no, energy's the word i felt energized it was um it was it was a really beautiful moment and, and i do hope that when it's kind of safe to do so which hopefully will not be too far away in the future that we can like conjure that energy and that that focus back up and get it back out into the into the real world because i think it's really important that it's visible in, in a physical sense and so i do hope there's going to be more of that mm, 9 a.m 21st of june see you on the streets <laughs> <laughs> yeah isn't it? it's not over we're still fighting for the climate yeah definitely yeah, yeah. Cam, I've got a couple more questions, man, before we before we leave you to it. Obvious question would be as well, like, you know, we've talked loads about your passion in this area and your action in this area. So how does that make its way into your art, into your music? I think at the moment, like, it's found its way in small doses. Um, I don't think I've truly really got to explore that yet in my artistry, but it's definitely on the agenda to do. But I think with me, it's always been about how to say something and get it across in a good way without sounding like you're preaching, you know? And how can I do this with humility and rather make it seem like I've never thrown a piece of plastic on the floor when I was a child, because I definitely did. And, you know, it's just one of those things. So it's like, as time goes on, I'll do it. But I think I'm gonna, I've got ideas for like sustainable companies that I wanna like get started. So like when I'm touring, I'm gonna be plugging that obviously. <laughs> and I'll be talking about <laughs> it. And I'll, I'll make sure like at the end of my set, I'll be like, if you've got a plastic cup, make sure you bring it back to the vendor or recycle it, you know what I mean? Or I'll like even get like recycling bags and put them at the front of the stage. Like just little <laughs> things like that will just be different. that people will notice if they're looking for it. But I'll know at least in myself that when I did a show, you know, I was, bringing some of that that green warrior eco warrior uh, vibes to it man i'm gonna be first in line that. to go to the can be you show that sounds great <laughs> sick yeah i love that but like it's just normalizing those things if one person does it as you were saying earlier one person does it then you're like oh it's okay to do this someone else can do it and then all of a sudden you're weird if you're not doing it <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we want that's what we want to achieve with all of this mm. green stuff it's just like you're weird <laughs> if you don't want to protect exactly the out of interest is to talk a bit about like music fandom for a moment who are the artists you think that traditionally have done a good job of bringing those types of things together like talking about their their action and the the, the social issues and and the political issues that are important to them but also not doing it in a way that feels overbearing mm, you know that's that's a bit of a tough question i think in this day and age unless you could put me onto someone and there's not many i could name but there are some great people who have passed that that, that would manage to bring what they were about to the stage and to their music and, and change a lot of people's um, perspective. For example, like Bob Marley or mm -hmm. Fela Kuti. You know, these guys made made drastic changes happen culturally and, and even politically in some cases. And that, was, and that was done in such a way that it was like, 
if you didn't like this you're weird exactly, exactly like what we said it's like how can you not listen to what he's saying one love one life yes unless we want peace you know and everyone loved Bob Marley and it wasn't like he was saying look at what they're doing to us blah 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 it wasn't super like political it was done well and correct so that's kind of people I draw that kind of energy from and inspiration and do you think like as, as time goes on is your interest in um, sustainable agriculture going to continue alongside your music do you think that's going to be something that you just they're just parallels for you for for the foreseeable future yeah for the foreseeable future they're definitely going to be parallel I have no no intention on stopping on on doing those no intention whatsoever so I'm just looking forward to the ride man I'm glad that this was a part I was a part of this conversation and this is a part of my journey now Thanks again to Cam Bu for his time. I'm not sure whether this is the right word, Faye, but I found him such a peaceful person to speak to, like really grounded and and just um, made me feel like everything's going to be okay. Just like mm-hmm. a calming presence, I guess. Yeah, just a um, lovely guy. Um, what did you think of the conversation and, what, and what, what did you feel coming off the back of that? Well, it just really inspired me. It made me want to go and, and sort of work in community gardens and get involved in, you know, literally just digging into the earth and and mm. the nature and everything that's available even in cities i just found him really really inspiring and really um just made me want to do what he does basically <laughs> yeah totally um something he said that was so simple but something that i'm still thinking about now is he said if you look after nature it will look after us mm. and i just thought i mean that just seems so simple it's just it's a lovely way of describing that circular relationship isn't it and yeah. i think um a point that you both raised cam and yourself in 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 that conversation was um we're talking about meeting other people um on, on that sort of theme of community and 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 what i like about what cam was saying was that he's signed up and volunteered going and being part of these um you know volunteer sessions in his local green space and meeting people of all different backgrounds and generations experiences mm. and ethnicities people with different views different ways of thinking about the world and just the benefits of that the sort of way that nurtures empathy and and Mm. and and, and fosters the not just obviously the practical level like creates a better environment um for people to be able to spend time in but also the community it sort of builds it's like a building block isn't it it just brings people together absolutely i think there's so much to be gained from mixing with different people from all walks of life i mean i think it's really good for stuff like anxiety i think there's so, there's so much um, sort of pressure on each of us to have our identities and, you know, through social media and in, especially if you work in music and media, you have to have this like, this is who I am and this is what I stand for. And it, it can be really all consuming sometimes and really mm. um, almost overtake who you actually are. But whereas mm. you, you move into a different group of people or a mixed group of people and no one cares whether you've got a song in the charts or whether you you know how many instagram followers you've got it's like Mm. people just care about the person in front of them and what you've got to say in that particular moment and how you interact so it's can really help take you out of um that sort of you know this ego kind of way of living that we get trapped into um quite easily these days so yeah there's so much to be gained from really mixing with different people Definitely. Yeah, it sounds like it's been good for, for his well-being and the mm. well-being of being others involved. I, I was excited to hear him talk about how he would want to 
bring sustainability and his feelings on all this subject into his live show as well like mm-hmm. I, as, as far as i'm aware i don't think can played that that many live shows if many at all and so i can't wait to see i want to go and see him later in the year and see what he's um he's got planned because he was talking about bringing in some of his um sustainable business ideas into his yes, live show amazing. so that'd be really exciting to see what he's got planned Definitely. and i suppose my my final takeaway from that conversation was him talking about the beginnings of his interest in that area and um shout out to all the mums and dads on this one I suppose he he credited so much of his interest in this area to his upbringing so his Mm. his mother's allotment and the fact that his his parents his father was taking him to the green spaces in London you know all around the place to kind of to experience that And, and I suppose it got me thinking about whether a lot has been made of the fact that some people have reconnected with nature throughout the lockdown and the pandemic and everything that COVID has thrown at all of us. And we've got this new appreciation for, mm. for the outdoors and our environment. And, and so just whether, whether that's good in the sense that maybe there's a more people have spent time outside more, maybe there is another generation coming through that will have an even stronger bond than the, than our current ones. But um, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to know about that. Isn't I'm it? It's, question- it's, it's, I'm questioning it, Greg, because I'm like, was it the lockdown that got us outside or was it the fact that it was sunny for like three months straight? Because this time around, the weather's so bad. It's like, I've barely been outside for the last month or so. I know. So yeah, bring that, bring back that weather from last year. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like for listeners right now, Faye and I are both sitting in places where we're staring out at very, very grey skies. It just, rain. it's so, it's still cold. It's miserable. It's very cold play. That I don't know. Oh. Cold play reference of the of the week. That it's not was great, um... is it? Wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It doesn't matter. It will do. Um, <laughs> Um, one thing I will say is we'll post links in the show notes to the conservation volunteers website and also information about green gym. Um, can be, you mentioned both of those organizations. Um, there are others as well. Um, if you look for community groups on social media, you can find things like council websites often post information about those type of things. And I know, um, it's really old school, but if you do go to your local park or green space, they do often have like a notice board oh, where yeah. they'll they'll post information about wanting volunteers for that kind of thing. So if, if you listen to that conversation and you thought, you know what, I want to spend an hour of my week out in the green space building um, building beetle gyms or, or, <laughs> or beetle, beetle farms. I can't remember what Cam called them. But um, yeah, you know, you, you said that you felt inspired, Faye. I, I felt inspired as well. And I, and I sort of think we're, we are now, we're supposed to be in spring right now. There's probably no uh, better time than to, to kind of sign up and spend some time outdoors and, mm. and doing something that. It sounds like it would be um, a great way to relax, but also maybe energize at the same time um with with all of this stuff so um yeah that was great thank you to can be you shall we do some recommendations before we go Faye? have you got something you want uh, listeners to go and check out well yeah talking of the outside and getting out into nature one of the things that i think puts people off or you know makes makes us less free as individuals is that Sometimes you don't know where you're allowed to walk and where you're not allowed to walk. You, if you've ever been walking, doing a countryside walk, and you're like, am I allowed mm. to be here? It's a field. I don't really understand. And you feel sort of slightly angsty that you're going to be shot by an angry farmer. Maybe that's just my <laughs> ang- personal anxiety, but it's always there a little bit in the background. So I'd like to recommend this week 
a book called The Book of Trespass, which is um, written by Nick Hayes. And it's about basically taking back control of public land and common land okay. and, and our country, basically, which sounds very um, sort of UKIP-y saying that. But it's it's really about sort of getting, walking where you feel like you want to walk, just really just understanding that nature and the environment and our, our country and our land is for everybody. And it's, you can go wherever you want to go. And it's, this book is sort of recommending that you trespass. Um, mm. But it's doing it in a really, really encouraging way that makes it sound really fun. And um, it will make, really sort of start to unshackle the part of your mind that thinks, am I allowed to walk here? Am I not? Mm. Where is it okay? It's like, it's all okay, really. This is, this is just land. It's just country. And we're, you know, we're all human beings sharing this earth. Let's share it nicely, like good children. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds brilliant maybe we should pick up that book and then like go and record a future episode of the podcast outside where we're trespassing somewhere <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> um mine is a specific episode of a podcast series that i listen to a lot um which is called how to save a planet mm -hmm. it's made by a company called gimlet and um ordinarily it's hosted by the journalist alex bloomberg and the marine biologist uh, one of my favorite climate experts um in fact, uh, this is how sad I am. I have favourite climate experts. Um, <laughs> do, do, it's doctor. true. People always ask me who my favourite drummer is. I'm like, I don't know. It's like, ask me who my <laughs> favourite climate hero is. Yeah, you just oh, like reel off a kind of top five. <laughs> yeah. um, her name is Dr. Ayana Elizabeth Johnson. And um, mm. the episode I want to shout out is called Where's Our Climate Anthem, um, which is a, a, a specific episode they did. And they were joined by reporter Kendra Pierre-Louis for this one. And they basically are talking about the relationship between music and climate action um, and they trace the history of the protest anthem how social movements through the decades have often had some kind of soundtrack so this podcast is kind of an investigation asking if there is a song that fits this moment this moment of our climate emergency like is there a song out there an anthem that mobilizes the message about climate change that has you know a melody and a lyric that brings people together on that subject um i won't spoil their findings um just do go and check it out um but maybe it's a discussion for us Faye, because i think maybe we can have a think and, and and come back to this in like a future podcast or maybe if people want to get in touch if they've got ideas but it got me thinking about is there an anthem for climate change is there like an obvious song well, that brings people together yeah it is it is an interesting question i really want to hear this podcast now that you've mentioned it mm. um because mm. it it's is a question brilliant. people ask where is the where is the anthem around this and mm. um it's there are more and more songs about climate there's more and more artists writing whole records and huge amounts of work around it but anthem wise it's it's a hard one it's a difficult mm. one yeah i th i think maybe what we should do i mean yeah, I, I urge people listening to this go and go and have a listen to this uh podcast i think maybe we can build on this and come back to it at like a on a future time on sounds like a plan because i do think it's a really interesting subject like is it the fact that there isn't an obvious climate anthem out there right now or maybe it is out there but we just haven't found a way of getting it to people yet maybe not enough people have heard it or maybe maybe uh, you know, the future doesn't have anthems maybe the future doesn't have anthems that could be the name maybe, of the podcast yeah let's let's dig yeah. into it but yeah so if you have got if any ideas um like i said before we are sounds like a plan podcast on instagram and uh, you can get in touch with us and i'd love to talk more about that in the future so yeah 
Uh, that's pretty much all from us this time on the podcast um another quick thank you to our guest uh who was can be you and thank you for listening and we look forward to being with you on a future episode of sounds like a plan This episode of Sounds Like a Plan was hosted by Faye Milton and myself, Greg Cochran. The podcast is edited by Emma Snook with artwork and co-production by Stuart Stubbs. Our theme music is by lightandthunder.com. Sounds Like a Plan is a new allotment podcast. You can visit newallotment.com for more information about them. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>